these are situations that youth are going to have to live through. So we need to start working on getting them here and getting them talking to the people that are making decisions for them right now. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Infinite Earth Radio will not only help you learn from bright, visionary civic leaders who are building smarter, more inclusive and sustainable communities, but you'll discover how you can bring these ideas to your community. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancocks and Vernice Miller-Travis. Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we interview thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. If you like what we're doing here at Infinite Earth Radio, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. This will increase our exposure and help us reach a bigger audience. Just go to our website, infiniteearthradio.com, and you will find a link to our show in iTunes where you can leave us a review. Our topic today is youth activism and engaging younger populations in the community planning and decision-making processes. Our guest today is Zilia Gonzalez. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Zilia. Zilia is the co-founder of the Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance, and she moderated a panel discussion at the 2016 New Partners for Smart Growth Conference. The mission of the Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance is to provide a platform for Sacramento area teenagers to organize feminist activism in their community. Welcome, Zilia, and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so let's let's start right at the beginning. What motivates you to be an activist in your community? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think it's seeing injustices around me and recognizing my privilege from a very young age that allowed me to see the contrast and try to work towards equalizing that out. When I was younger, I grew up in a very low-income household, but I was still doing better. And I felt like I was doing better than a lot of my peers. And I saw how they were treated unjustly through a system, not by any one individual. And as I got older and I could put words to that and I could work on actual topics that could change that, it really manifested into creating a space for other people to do the same thing. So can you remember the first time you found yourself getting involved in becoming an activist? Was there a particular cause or event? Um, You know, I don't know about when I was little very much so, because I don't think I ever really had the chance. It was more like when I was in high school. I remember the first thing I ever volunteered for. I was advocating for the inclusion of complete streets in a competitive grant process for cap-and-trade funding. So it was to advocate that when they looked at the grantees who were asking for grant funding from the cap-and-trade money, that they included that the applicants had to have complete streets and transportation solutions for a lot of different people in their application. So for the members of our audience who don't know, how would you define complete streets? That is a super good question as well. It kind of differs for streets in different neighborhoods and for what uses are, but I would say streets that work for the members of the community that use them and even for the members of community that 
don't use them right now because they're inaccessible. So, you know, that means going away from car driving and making it streets that are better for pedestrians and biking. So moving away from car centric roadways and then having them be beautiful and useful for the retail and neighbors who are living on the streets. It's kind of a weird way of putting it, but yeah. <laughs> Great. So you mentioned that you, that was back in your freshman year. I think one thing we should point out to our audience is that you are a high school senior, not a college senior, right? And yeah. That the, and that the Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance is a high school based organization that you started. Completely. Yeah. So I, I've been working on a lot of different advocacy projects ranging from, you know, transportation, mostly transportation when I work outside of school. And then also there's a lot of social justice issues with, I worked on with the brothers and sisters at the Capitol. It's like moving from the pathway from instead of the pipeline to school to prisons. Yeah. It's getting rid of the pipeline to prisons from schools. And then it's putting, you know, in leadership classes and, and changing around the way that students are disciplined in school. So instead of taking students out of class time, it's putting in better skills to help them cope with a lot of the issues that put them in the discipline office in the first place, and then building up students' leadership skills and things like that to take ownership of their own communities. So I moved from transportation to that, and I've always kind of worked on those things, to feminism last year when I realized, you know, it's a broader issue. And I was working with a group of two other girls, and we created the Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance, which is a larger club for all of Sacramento's high school feminist clubs because we realized that there were a lot of clubs and all of these different high schools, but they weren't coming together to make real large base change. Everyone was doing small things in their school, but without the support of their sisters and all of these other schools, it was really hard to make the kind of impact that everyone wanted. So when we brought people together, we saw a really great response. We have around 100 active members that do stuff for us. Not everyone can come to our biweekly meetings. We have meetings twice a month. So that's kind of a lot for all of our busy high school students. But we see all of our members at our events, at our convention in the spring. We'll see a lot of our members come back for that. And a lot of our meetings once in a while, we do special meetings like we're doing a civic engagement section right now that's going to bring in elected officials and people who are running campaigns and then teach some of our members about what those issues are so we can have better informed students. And then we're going to have a voter registration drive at the end of it. So there's going to be a lot of civic engagement. That's kind of our focus right now. Wow. So there's, yeah, I, kind of, I want to go in a couple of different directions, but I'm going to pause for a second. And, you know, it, it seemed like for a while, for a number of years, the term feminism was kind of out of fashion and it, it seems to have come back into fashion to some degree. But so can you explain to, to our audience what feminism means to you and why you were motivated to start the group? Feminism means to me, I think of it kind of as like, well, I don't want to say a verb, but it's advocating for women to be on the equal plane as everyone else. And I think that I say as everyone else, not just men and women, as in I'm not going to seclude it just to, you know, cisgendered women, because it's really there's been a, a history of injustices for people who have labeled themselves as women and still not felt as equal to men. And, you know, there's a lot of things like that. But it's really just fighting for there to be equal playing ground between everyone. And it's difficult for people sometimes to see that because like, you know, Black Lives Matter, people say all lives matter, right? But the thing is, is that there's been a history of injustice for Black people and there's been a history of injustice for women. And so we can't have an equal level playing field if those people are still left behind. You can't jump from being behind 
to equal, you have to raise them up singularly until we can be equal and then we can go on. So I think that feminism means, you know, leveling it out and then we can go on. Great. Fantastic. So how do your parents and other adults react to your activism? Some people have a hard time because they believe that I should be focusing on school more so than activism. And sometimes it's been hard to find time to go to conferences like New Partners for Smart Growth and other things I've done around the country because it's not as valued. People don't see that I'm or don't believe that I'm making a difference. So it's hard to niche out time for that. But then I've run into a few folks who have really advocated on my behalf to be able to advocate. (laughs) And so I found people that have been really, really supportive and believe that what we are doing with SIFA and what I'm doing individually with all of these other organizations really does make a difference. And so it's really allowed another activist wave to form, which is youth advocacy. So not just advocating for women, not just advocating for social justices, it's advocating for youth to be in the picture at all. So coming from those, we kind of realize, well, youth aren't in it at all. So what do we, we have to raise them up in themselves. So that's kind of what our session at New Partners became because we realized last year and the year before we were one or one of uh, or two of the only youth at the whole conference. And we said, but these are situations that youth are going to have to live through. So we need to start working on getting them here and getting them talking to the people that are making decisions for them right now that they're going to live through. So that's kind of what our session focused on this year. Yeah, great. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, how the session went and what did you accomplish or try to accomplish during the session? Our session was titled Young Women for Smart Growth. And we had originally planned to talk about how to engage young women when you're engaging youth in general, because we had figured that a lot of the organizations we worked with had engaged youth already. But we were saying, Within those youth organizations, within these people who are already advocating for youth and all of these things, how do we get more female leadership out of that? So that's what we kind of went into it as. And then as our session progressed, we realized that we couldn't start talking about female leadership in these things because all of the people who came to our session hadn't even engaged youth yet. So we realized we were a little bit preemptive on that. And so our session kind of turned into, you know, okay, well, this is how you get youth in the first place. (laughs) So we realized that there's a bigger problem. We thought because we were in this bubble of people who really loved us and believed in us, that everyone was like that. And we realized it's actually a lot harder in the world to get people to engage with youth, but there are people that want to do it, but don't have the resources. So I think if we come back next time or we have another session similar to that, we're going to focus more on, okay, you know, you don't already have youth yet. So we're going to focus on that part. But then at the very end, we'll say something like, well, now that you have the youth, it's really important to focus on female leadership, just like, you know, our presentation had started to be. (laughs) Great. So, you know, my colleague, Vernice, my co-host, Vernice and I and our colleagues work all over the country with communities that are working on development, revitalization issues, social justice issues, environmental issues. And all over the country, these folks are wondering, how do we get more young people involved? So if you were advising folks in other communities who sincerely desire to have young people more involved, what advice would you give to make, help make that happen? And that was totally the question at our session. And we answered it with putting your organization behind the youth, like giving them the power and the, and the leadership and responsibility for them to 
take ownership and have their ideas matter. You can't expect youth to come into your idea and be as excited as you are about it. That's just really not going to happen. It's, it's kind of unfair to ask kids to do that. You know, if you give them a project to go and engage their friends and all these other things, but it's like your way of engaging it, like, Oh, go hand out flyers to your friends. They're going to be like, well, this is not how youth communicate. You know what I mean? So what I have found and what we did is to find out some of this information is we went to a SIFA meeting and we said, you guys are all really engaged students. What has led you there and what has kept you there engaged? I mean, and they said people who value our opinions and people who allow us to create our own projects. So that was the key thing that they took from all of their organizations that really empowered them to make actual change was they said, this is a problem that we have and it's a problem that you have. Or they even asked them beforehand. They said, hey, what problems do you see in your community along these lines? So if you guys were a transportation or something like that and you were looking for projects to engage youth, I would say, what problems do you guys, talking to kids, what problems do you guys see with transportation? They would see all of these problems because there are a lot of problems with transportation. And then they would say, okay, well, let's focus on one and how would you fix it? And then the solution is going to derive from these students who are actually passionate because that's their problem. You know what I mean? The problem is like something that they recognize and they're like, well, let's actually fix it. And then their solution is something that they can take ownership of. They can say, oh, yes, I fixed that. And you're going to get a student that is a lot more engaged, a lot more willing to put in time outside of their crazy, busy schedules and a student that's going to be proud or work to be proud of what they put out. So that's what we kind of gave to all of our people in our session and what we derive from the students in SIFA. Great. That's, that's really helpful. So beyond you know, giving students a meaningful role in the process and giving them something real and tangible to work on and not just asking them to, to do tasks, mm-hmm. are there particular issues that resonate more with young people that should come to the fore in communities, that as communities are working on revitalization issues, are there certain areas that resonate more with young people? My immediate answer is yes, it should be education. It should be, you know, all of these things. But when I think about it, I think the answer is no, because the students in the community are not just students that only experience a subset of things. They are people who are living in the community, walking in the community, eating in the community. Sometimes they are the ones supporting their families in the community. And so all of the issues that go along with revitalizing a community also matter to these students. It just matters how they are looking at them. So I would say someone that is a bit older and a different generation is going to view the same issue differently and have a different solution to approaching it, but they're all going to view the same issues and all of the issues are going to matter to them as well. Yeah, I think in one of our earlier conversations, one of the other things that you mentioned that really resonated with me was that as Uh, Older folks engage with younger folks. Sometimes there's a little bit of the younger generation sees more possibility than maybe the older Mm -hmm. generation and that the urge of the older generation to stifle the idealism and the potential that younger people see can often kind of be a a turnoff in the process. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I would put it. Yeah, because we realize as we're going along, you know, there's going to be a lot of older adults who want your opinion only to a certain point. They only want it to a certain point where they can say, oh, yeah, youth were involved and they only want you for a picture and they only want you for all these things. And kids can see right through that. (laughs) We know that that's only what you want us for. And and so we've run into people who will say, 
oh, that idea sounds grand and it sounds awesome and that would fix our problem, but we can't do it because of blah, blah, blah reason. Oh, that agency will never allow us to do that, blah, blah, blah. But that's because these adults who are in these systems already already have these preconceived notions of, no, we tried that, it's not going to work. But maybe it didn't work because it was that time. And now, you know, this kid is thinking of this with fresh ideas because there's nothing holding them back. And maybe it could work this time because we are in a different year or in a different generation. There's new people. So I think that when you're engaging with youth, it's really important to remember that they are not held back by anything. You know, they're not held back by any of this bureaucracy or preconceived notions about certain people or ideas. And so their ideas may be a lot more innovative and fresh than some of the people that have been on staff for 50 years. You know what I mean? I would say that you can't get rid of one for the other, but they definitely, it's really important to work together and see things in a different light. Right. Fantastic. So can you share with our audience some of the things that uh, some of the issues that Saifa is tackling or, or addressing or dealing with? Yeah, so we have a lot of projects going on right now. We are kind of working on sustainability in our organization because a lot of our founding members are graduating this year. So we are working on outreach to middle schools and younger freshmen and sophomores in high school to work on, you know, getting them engaged because a lot of times it takes until your junior or senior year to really find yourself in high school and find out what you're passionate about and what's meaningful to you. So that's when you start getting engaged. But we wanted to start showing all of the possibilities of advocacy and and volunteering and internship opportunities through middle school and high school so that maybe we can start engaging people younger. And then we also have a project working on a campaign to redefine feminism, like we were talking about earlier, how some people view feminism as kind of a dirty word. And so we wanted to redefine it. So we were going to do a a multimedia campaign about how feminism is not, you know, this hippie woman that hates men and all of these certain things that people conjure up when they see feminism. It can be, you know, any gender, any race, you know, any ethnicity, any of these, you know, class levels, because people view it as such a certain thing. And it stops people from realizing what feminism's real intent is which is to raise that bar and make all genders equal. So that's what we're kind of working on right now, along with the civic engagement piece. That's one of our other projects. Fantastic. So how many uh, new partners for Smart Growth Conferences have you attended? And how has that organization and the conference kind of helped you on your path? What have you learned? Um, How has it supported you? How has it made you a better activist? New Partners and Local Government Commission have been like one of my number one supporters. (laughs) I've been going to those conferences since this would be my third year. The first one I went to was in Denver, the second one in Baltimore, and the third one in just now up in Portland, that one. So the second one, I took a friend along with me, one of my co-founders, Maddie. She could take the week off of school, which was very special. So she came with me and then This time I took three other girls with me and we had our own session. So that was really awesome. And New Partners has really been our champion because they have valued our presence and what we have said from the beginning. You know, they have flown us out and really like put a monetary value to our, to our time and our work and what we have said and what we have been put into all of these sessions because we're not just there to do our own session and sit around in Portland. You know, we attended sessions from 8 to 5 p.m. the whole 
conference, you know, so we were engaged in our sessions, we were asking questions, we were meeting with people and networking all of these things, because these actually mean a lot to us. And all of these issues mean a lot to us. But all of these organizations wouldn't know that unless people like, you know, the local government commission and new partners for smart growth had allowed us to be there and show our passion for these things. So having organizations like them have really allowed us to take our advocacy to the next level, literally um, all throughout the nation, national. So that meant a lot to us. Yeah. Great. So where can people learn, if people want to learn more about the Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance, is there someplace they can go and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, we are most active on our Facebook page, Sacramento Young Feminist Alliance. And if anyone ever wants to email us, it's sacyoungfeministalliance at gmail.com. Exactly how it sounds like it's spelled. And SAC is in Sacramento, S-A-C. Great. So these last questions are lightning round questions. They're <laughs> designed to be uh, kind of short answers. We ask every guest the same questions. So if you could implement one change or pick one leverage point that would lead to smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities, what would it be? Funding preventative change in um, our communities. So instead of waiting for a problem to happen, uh, making sure that it doesn't and asking people what they need beforehand. Fantastic. What one action could our listeners, younger or older, take to help build a more equitable and sustainable future? Start talking to people that aren't like yourself and find out what their opinions and takes on their communities are. That's such a fantastic answer. If you are successful in the work that you're doing, what does the world look like or what, is, what does Sacramento look like 30 years from now? <laughs> Sacramento looks accessible for everyone that wants to be here uh, in all terms. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Zia, thank you so much for your passion and activism. And thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for listening to me. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. And we look forward to seeing you all again on the next episode of Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, the Local Government Commission, Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash infinite earth radio and Twitter by following at infinite earth radio. 